her children, Frank. More exactly, they're the children of her rage. They're motivated only by her anger, whether that anger is conscious or subconscious. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and with me is... Your other host, Khalid Hussain. What's up, other host? Not much. What's up with you, Joe? Oh, you know, uh, everything and anything. (laughs) You are quick with it today. I'm quick with it. I'm always quick with it. Not just today. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why I specified today. Yeah, and uh, speaking of quick, I'm gonna get into it quickly because we got a, we got a. Oh man, I'm gonna steal this already. She said it beforehand. We got a brood of guests. Today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Corinne. We do. But uh, yeah, our, I want to say right away we got uh, our, our ghost host who joins us often. I almost uh, to the point where I almost don't want to put the name in the episode because you're just basically a host. Uh, Nicole Praska. Hey. Hi. Pa- uh, glad to be back. But welcome, we also welcome. have. Two brand new guests to the podcast. We have Joe uh, Michaud. Did I say that right, Joe? That's perfect. Thank you. Joe uh, is a Los Angeles-based filmmaker who enjoys trail running, subversive cinema, and day trips with his 1975 Honda motorbike, Jade. Welcome, Joe. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you, other Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And we also have uh, Corinne Evans, who is a filmmaker exploring shadow integration eroticism, death, and the supernatural. And I'm also told you're a voice actor. So welcome, Corinne. I am. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for you coming on, you guys. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, sorry, Corinne, I stole your joke about the brood of guests. It's uh, it's it's perfect for this. Please. And uh, I am uh, I'm excited to have like another. We had the previous episode we just did. We had a big, uh, big group on that was kind of fun. It was like kind of like a roundtable sort of discussion almost mm-hmm. in that sense. And we hadn't really done that before. And it's kind of fun to do it again right away. But uh, yeah, excited to have you guys on. Thrilled. Let's go. Really testing the limits of conversation <laughs> recorded. We're pushing you know the boundaries I mean? here. Yeah, <laughs> We're that's, pushing that's what we do. Yeah, no, that's what we so do. many, so many guests. So oh my many god! People. We're an innovative <laughs> podcast. It's gonna be super weird when it's just you and Khalid for the next one. It's gonna be awkward. Yeah, I'm yeah. I feel yeah. like there's like a good leading bleeding edge joke here with like a monster <laughs> thing, but I can't find it anyway. It'll come well, to you. You you have time. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're still <laughs> at the beginning of this. So since you guys are new to the pod, we have some brand new guest questions, which I believe Khalid provided to you already. So uh, you guys feeling ready? Yeah, I think Joe should go first, though. All right, Joe, Joe will go first. <laughs> Other Joe. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So, Joe, um, since we are a monster podcast, we always like to ask our guests, uh, on all of pop, pop culture, this could be like a movie, book, show, game, what have you. What is your favorite like monster or creature? And if it isn't the same, what would you consider to be the scariest? Great. Um, I, I gave this a little thought. I think that my favorite monster is probably the witch from Eggers, mm. the witch. Ooh, okay. I just like the, you know, from the very first time we see like kind of like glimpses of her in the cavern, like muddling that baby. And then man, later on in the film, when, you know, the young boy goes out to the woods and we just see her 
you know, Disney princess, just busty self inviting him into the <laughs> cottage. I like one of the best monsters uh, for me. Good one. And also scariest? Not, no, not scariest. I think Ooh. scariest is, this is kind of like a weird deep cut, but uh, Zalowski's possession, the the tentacle monster in that movie is. Is that the one with Sam Neill? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Of course you've seen it, Praska. West Berlin, 1981. Um, that monster is nasty. And, and I think I was, I had it on my mind a little bit right now because we just watched a Cronenberg film, but that one, that one scares me. That is a good, I want to do that one on the podcast sometime. So if we do that one, we'll, we'll yes. give you a call. I, please, <laughs> please do. All right. Uh, Corinne, same question to you. Favorite monster, and if it isn't the same, what would you consider be the scariest one that you've seen? Okay, so my favorite monster is a classic, Dracula. Good choice. Sexy. It's very primal, you know, someone wanting to suck your blood. There's something kind of hot about that, to be honest. And then, like, the whole, like, out-of-time thing. He makes you, like, lose your mind. You don't know where you are in, like, time and space. Like, again, something kind of... I'm into that in a certain <laughs> in a certain way. I would like to suspend my yeah. experience of time and space. So, yeah. And then scariest. I thought about this a lot too, and I was like, I think the thing that I am scared of most of all is any type of demon, ghost, kind of Ooh. unseen thing. Yeah. And there's not like a specific film or specific ghost or specific demon per se, but anytime there's like a thing that I can't see, I mean, I was raised evangelical Christian. They freak you out about that, you know? <laughs> so anytime I see that in a movie, I'm like, oh my God, no. I'm I'm reverting to my Bible verses. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that That's is a good it. one. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. That's good. Yeah. There's a lot of good demon ghost movies out there. I, I, it's, I'm with you on that. Some of those can be really creepy. Um, second question for you guys. We'll start with you, Joe. Uh, what do you, what's on your geek card? So like, what do you consider yourself like the most geeky about that you could just really like, I don't nerd out about with, uh, anybody. Mm -hmm. I, hmm. I, this sounds weird. Probably spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's a bizarre answer. Um, but like, I, Early in COVID, I went through a, a you know one of the many phases of psychosis where I, I built a spreadsheet <laughs> and and ranked my top you know like 150 films by like 15 different categories and huh. and and yeah yeah um, that that's Used like to me. the that, also me it's the most like <laughs> recent kind of you know spreadsheet fixation but like it goes all the way back to like my dad was an actuary and so he taught me how to use them when I was like a kid and I would like record my basketball shot statistics like in the summer i would you know shoot like a hundred shots a day and i would like record my percentages in a spreadsheet um what the fuck yeah it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of goofy but it's it's a great skill to have because yes. now when i make a shot list or i make a you know yeah. call sheet i get in there get in those cells yeah wow that's yeah. a good answer. Nikki, you like spreadsheets too. Not that I was much. not expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't either. I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah. That, yeah. That was out of left field. I like it though. That's cool. Like stats are cool. Right? Yeah. And, and like order. I mean, that's what I get the most. I'm just like everything in its right little place. So you know, Dick Wolf shows, stats and order. 
like how important is like understandability to you in these spreadsheets? Like when you like look at it for like the layman, not just you, like, do you like oh. to make them for like anyone could look at it and understand it? Or is it just for no. you? Yeah. Like categorizing? Just I for mean, you. well, there's, it's different for everything, you know? If it's like a shot list, I want someone to be able to look at and understand mm-hmm. it. But not, but there's, but like, it's mostly for me. Like record know? keeping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do, yeah. Do you color code then? I call, I mean, I color code shot lists often. Okay. Yeah. For like quick, like, okay, where's yeah. that sequence? Bam. We're done with pink or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, good answer. Good answer. Wow. Cor- Corinne, wow, same to, to you. That. Yeah. Follow <sighs> that up. Okay. So I, I also thought about this too. And I was like, all right, what's the, okay. What's the thing that I'm the most into? And I guess it kind of goes along with my bio, like shadow integration, the concept of like taking aspects of yourself that are, you know, could be considered bad or wrong or like that you've shunned and then reintegrating those things. I've been kind of obsessed with like inner self work around that, like inner child work, shadow work, all that shit read a bunch of books on it, do a bunch of work around it, listen to all the podcasts and shit. So yeah, I, that's kind of my shit, like You're integrating like the, my shadow. the perfect guest for this movie, though. It's <laughs> no, really so many thoughts. It's messed up. Yeah. I have so many thoughts on what it represents to me. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> wow, interesting. Also interesting. Yeah, all very unique answers here, you guys. Um, before we get into like the movie, though, I wanted to ask both of you. Um, I know, so... Uh, both of you are like directors have done work. Is there any like films or examples of like pieces, like, I don't know, anything that you narrated or like you've recently produced or any sort of like things that you wanted to like shout out for any listeners to check out of yours? Oh my God. Plugs. Well, you should plug. Plug, plug what? Go plug plugs. killers. Plug killers. Yeah. This is a fun plug. I mean, it's not out yet, but Joe and I actually yeah. made a film together this Ooh, year. Yeah. Um, he acts in it. Okay. It's, about, it's about naughty family behavior. It is. It's about very <laughs> bad family behavior. Yeah. Um, a murder gone very wrong that resurges a bunch of latent memories that the sibling with siblings with a sort of will they won't they situation going on. And Joe Joe plays the brother. So mm-hmm. that will okay. be dropping at some point soon once we get into a festival, God fucking willing, we're gonna see what happens. <laughs> so Keep us keep us up to date on that one. Yeah. I will. Seems it's called Killers, you said? Killers, yeah. Okay, so we will definitely keep our eyes out for that for sure. <laughs> yes. Sounds like a blast. I have a I have a horror short that should be done in early 2024 that I will plug uh if I if I'm lucky enough to come back on here for possession at some point. Oh, for sure. Khalid, possession is yours. Khalid Khalid helped produce it. So hey. I can't wait Ooh, for enough. that one. I can't wait for that one. And Corinne and Corinne also did I some. It kind of helps. You did. You yeah. did a very unique and special thing. I, I did. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yes. Um, and anything else that you want us to uh, link or plug, we can put in our show notes. Feel free to pass on to me as well. God, Sounds I wish great. I had like an affiliate link or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah some people do. I know some people. We've don't. been on strike. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nothing. I have nothing. Case raw. That's okay. <laughs> It's okay. Sorry. You'll, you'll have this podcast after this. There you go. It's kind of exciting. <laughs> and my yeah. press. No, it's not. It doesn't count as press, does it? Anyway, it, sh- it should. <laughs> it should. I think it does. Yeah. yeah. Press on my yeah. thoughts about Brute. Oh, <laughs> oh dramatic. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I liked it. Um, Khalid, I have a question for you. What's up, buddy? Uh, Khalid. Um, 
I got my pet deer a set of drums. What? Yeah, you have to ask why. Oh. Why? Because I wanted some more bang for my buck. Oh my god. Didn't, I didn't see that. Segue. It has nothing to do with the movie, but it's a it's a it's a festive Christmassy theme segue to what are we talking about today? God, Joe. That's a good one. I rolled my eyes earlier today at that one also. I already told her that one, yeah. Wow, you should have a coffee table book. I should. I heard, oh, you bad jokes? I heard him do a joke on another one. Do you always do that? <laughs> I'm 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 ramping him up. I it was you it was it was it was sporadic before, but Khalid likes him so much, so I've been bringing him more in. I don't <laughs> like them at yeah. all. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm over here like coffee table book stat. So yeah, yeah. I just like uh, when Khalid hurts. So <laughs> please keep doing it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we're split on this, is what I'm hearing. Uh, so what are we talking about, Khalid? That's a segue. Uh, thank you for the segue, Joe. Before we get into the segue, do, should I do my thank you for Grant real quick? Yeah, let's do our thank you for Grant. Hey, Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you to friend of the podcast, Grant. You donated to our Patreon, and that is super nice of you, and it is a great reason to bring up the Patreon. So for those of you at home who like hearing what we talk about and want to hear us expand on that, uh, we have a Patreon where we do Franken-bits, and we've talked about the Montgomery River Bow Brawl, our favorite Halloween songs. Uh, what else do we do, Joe? That's it so far. We got more coming. That's it so far. And uh, uh, so just and just uh, also another shout out for like, so our buddy Grant, Grant Lightbrook, he was on the podcast prior to this on our Alien Resurrection episode. So go back and check that one out to see Grant. It, um, he's a he's a good guy. Yeah. And a great graphic design artist. Yeah. He helped with the, uh, the design of the podcast here, too. He, he did. He did. Uh, art, yeah. All right. And with that, thank you aside. Let's get back to our description from our homeboy IMDb. Yeah. What happened to Google, Khalid? Uh, Google let us down. It was one sentence and it was wrong. Yeah. So we're going to go with IMDb's sentence this time. All right. So I've got a synopsis from our homeboy, IMDb, and it goes a little something like this. A man tries to uncover an unconventional psychologist therapy techniques on his institutionalized wife amidst a series of brutal murders. <gasps> Ooh, that's it. That's it. Okay, I thought there was. <laughs> I we were all pausing for a dramatic effect, and you're gonna say more. No, no, just pausing because wow. the sentence ended. What a monster! That creature's the abstract level of potential energy. It's alive. Uh, any all right? Well, yeah, that's that that's fair enough. That that kind of gives us a brief overview of what we're talking about. Um, this is yeah, The Brood. It was an interesting movie. I think that we should get in some uh, initial thoughts before I like go around and ask you your thoughts. I wanted to say that um, I want I want to get into the themes of this movie at one point today. I have like some some thoughts on that and notes on that. But there was a criticism that a reviewer from a, a publication called News of the World in 1979 wrote of this movie, and he said. Quote, the brood has nothing at all to say. It is yet another exploitative essay in happening on the in heaping on the nas- nastiness. The filmmaker cannot live by dread alone. He needs moral viewpoint as well. And I found that to be just the fucking wildest critique that you can make of this movie that has nothing to say. Because whatever you say, think about this movie has a lot of things to say. I feel like <laughs> like lots of things to say, good or bad. It's that's a wild 
wild critique. So anyway, just want to start off with that. Like in 1979, people were like, what is this movie trying to say? Um, anyway, let's get into some initial thoughts. Uh, why don't we start with our guest today? So, uh, so Joe, you kind of were the one who, um, you, you'd mentioned uh, a few films that you're interested in covering and this was on your list. And I, I was excited to do another Cronenberg one. And so we, we, we went with this one. So I'm guessing you like this movie. Give us some of your, uh, like a quick, uh, overview of your thoughts. Yeah. I'm first time seeing it. Um, oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. One of, I mean, I've seen, I think most of Cronenberg's work at this point, but, um, yeah, one, one that I had not seen until tonight. Um, I liked it. I, I think I'm still digesting it. Um, my like instant visceral reactions are, it was a little less Cronenberg-y. Uh, than like I'm familiar with like I just watched The Fly uh, a month ago uh, very Cronenberg yeah maybe the most maybe (laughs) like if you're if you're looking for what his flavor is it's like that's that Um, but uh, I don't know I I I feel like this is a film that like has a lot more character depth than a lot of his work Um, yeah I, I enjoyed it but very much still digesting Okay. Um, I am terrified of hammers and mallets now. Um, that's, <laughs> that is that is a new thing. Um, uh, and actually, I, th- I mean, one of the things like the score, love the score. Howard uh, Shore. He's first as yeah. well. Crazy. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Still processing. I, I liked it. Um, but I've, I've got more thoughts that I will, that I will <laughs> let let develop. You've been on a podcast before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. Yeah, yeah, you know what to do. Uh, Corinne, how about you? What did you think? I I thought a lot. I had a lot <laughs> of thoughts and feelings. Um, the the personification mm-hmm. of rage as tiny humans, <clears throat> things, humanoid gremlin things was very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get into that more as we move along, but I also was weirdly struck by the color. Like I was Mm -hmm. really noticing the color. I was like, wow, there's a lot of yellow at the top of this film. Mm -hmm. There is so much yellow happening. What's up with the yellow? And I kept noticing like the red gradually increasing. I don't know if I was making this up in my mind or just like, or if it Mm -hmm. was real, but I was like, wow, a lot of yellow. And then the red started increasing and I was like, Ooh, what does it mean? going towards yeah. death the yellow that stands out though yeah I mean, the yellow it's know. like a happy color well, yellow wallpaper oh you know, true sort of like true craziness madness you're yeah. right mm-hmm. and often like you yeah, have feminine um i have i guess i do have just like a glaring i have a frustration that i'm realizing now <laughs> yeah with Oof, the film let's hear it i and it's like a thing that i feel like doesn't happen often today and that's not to say I think that this movie is like aged poorly, but the idea that these little brood gremlins are like taking down adults, adults, yeah, is a little was was I think bugging me. Yes, and thank it wasn't you. until the end. It wasn't until the end because it's like grandma, young grandma gets taken out first, <laughs> right? Really, really young grandma. Built, yeah. built. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm gonna say it. Grandma, she's built like that. Yeah. 
I also, yeah, I've had I had a few crushes uh, in this movie too, but we'll talk about that later. We'll as well. <laughs> Grandma, and then um, Ruth, lovely darling Ruth, the oh, teacher. There we go. But like yeah. uh, the doctor, Hal, at the end, I kind of would just like, am I, are we buying that five little minions are taking this this guy down? You know, I mean, it was like seven, wasn't Frank, it? Frank, I have a gun. <laughs> that was the best part. I I don't know. They had those weird sacks. You know, maybe those gave them like super strength. Oh, uh, okay. They're, yeah, like adrenaline. Like they're getting their back up. sacks. Yeah. I feel like you guys are underestimating how strong like eight to 10 year olds are. <laughs> I guess I don't have a lot of contact. <laughs> <laughs> they're stronger than you think. They're resilient. Yeah. Yeah. And there's only one way to test this. I know that. <laughs> I know what I have to do now. <laughs> I'm so sorry I peeped that right with my oh, okay. pro pro here. <laughs> I'm such a pre- <laughs> mark, mark that joke. Oh. <laughs> I like it. Uh Nikki, why don't we bring you in here? I know that so roundabout story here um you hadn't initially planned on coming on this podcast but you were up watching this with me and you're like, "Oh my god, I have thoughts. I have lots of thoughts." Like so wanted to come on so now you're here what's what are some of your initial thoughts well as far as whether i enjoyed the movie i'm still like deciding on that um i think it's really interesting and i agree it says many things it does not say nothing has not it does not not have nothing to say as as you pointed out that that reviewer back then said mm-hmm. i also i'm gonna echo that i back sacks are not I wasn't sure about their little <laughs> those little toy hammers. And like like I don't know. That was I don't know about them being able to take down, especially Hal like knew what they were capable of. Yeah. And he still I, I felt like he just kind of stood there and was like, Oh no, they've got me. <laughs> and I was like, Really? Like, I mean, just start throwing them out the window. Anyway, he, he did blow that aside. a few away. I, I yeah. like that. I don't know. He brought a revolver to it was not enough. They yeah, ran a six chambers. Yeah, wait. Monster fight. Wait a second, because he did totally know. You're so right. Oh my god. <laughs> At least everybody else had the like they didn't know what they were getting into. Yeah. Sort of thing. Or what was coming. But anyway. Um yeah, I would say like, yeah, as far as like Cronenberg films, it feels a little bit like the body horror is there, but yeah, it kind of is p- packed in at the end. Um and yeah, I mean, a lot of the themes around motherhood and female rage and things like that are are good topics. Um, I'm trying to decide whether I thought they were handled well. So I don't know. Let's stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about a Khalid? Khalid, it's your first time watching, right? Yeah, first time. All right. Tell me your thoughts. Man, this is a weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked it uh, for what it was. I think it's like. What was that Sam Neill movie we watched that was a carpenter? Uh, Mouth of Madness. Yeah, Mouth of Madness. It reminds me of that. Um, I think the filmmaking skill is there like, in terms of like, oh, this is a Cronenberg. I'm not like the biggest Cronenberg fan. I think like the movies of his I've seen are like Eastern Promises and shit. So Good movie know, though. Like, I know, yeah, it's a good movie. But like, I don't know if that's indicative of like, his filmography because like i know a lot of people like him for like the body horror stuff he does Mm. so this was more in line with that um i agree with you guys about the kid not like the little kids not being strong enough to like 
commit what are just the most brutal murders. You know what I mean? Like if it was like they were like running around like pushing people downstairs or like slipping shit in food, it'd be one thing. But like yeah. they're overpowering people. Well, physically. yeah, or like give them like a weird claw or something. You know? Something. Yeah. Yeah. Make them psychic. Yeah. You know, it's they're already like metaphor monsters. Little Nick like, Noltes, Yeah. It's like one extra step to be like, yeah, they can do stuff with their mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, we'll get into all of the nitpicks. So like overall thoughts wise though, it was it was good. The the third act won it for me. It was wobbly and like nonsensical, but like I love how melodramatic it was and I and I really love the idea of like theater and psychiatry or therapy. That was really done well. Like that opening scene was so compelling when I had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just had an kind of paper over any of like the narrative stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, overall I liked it. Uh, what about you, Joe, the host? Joe, the- <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> uh, I, I'm with, I think I'm on the same page as all of you. I liked it. Um, I didn't love it. Um, I will say that I think, for having a monster podcast, Khalid and I are a little, we, Cronenberg's a bit of a blind spot for us. Like we did the fly early on in the podcast and loved it. But honestly, other than that, my biggest exposure to Cronenberg has got to be his, his random role in Star Trek discovery. Like, (laughs) right. Like, I mean, I don't, I've, this is like the second of his films that I've really dug into and it's really cool to see. Like, I think like, I think the guy's like a really talented filmmaker and does a lot of, has a lot of interesting things to say and brings a lot of interesting things to the table as a filmmaker. Um, and I want to dig more into it. I just haven't yet, but this was a cool, um, and like, like, like other Joe, you brought up the fly. I I thought that was like interesting companion piece, like looking at those two films, like they are Mm -hmm. quite different. And like, yeah, the fly is more traditionally what you would consider like the stereotypical Cronenberg Mm -hmm. film. But, uh, but this is, yeah, this is like a, for a while, like a family drama, you know, like a, this sort of like seventies era, like drama about a divorce and like, kind of like the, the, like the therapy trends of those of the seventies and like satirical of like what that looked like at the time, like psychoplasmics, Mm -hmm. the idea of like, how do we, you know, how do we like manifest our trauma? It's like, you know, it's, you know, making fun of kind of like that, those trends at the time that kind of proved a little bit quacky, um, Mm -hmm. in anything. So like, um, I mean, you can make the case for like what it means for looking at therapy in general and, and like looking back at it, like, I mean, now we kind of see therapy in a different light than I think people did at the time. Like, there's like things that you could say there, but um, it's a it's an interesting film. And I think uh, I'm going to get into the themes here. And there are a lot of uh, competing ideas over what people think about this movie, especially from like a like a gender like feminist uh, lens. Uh, a lot of interesting like perspectives on like different sides of it that I think are fascinating to really look at. Um, I think. Uh, this was released the same year, 1979 as Kramer versus Kramer, the other famous like divorce movie, mm-hmm. which is a very different film. And this is like, you know, Cronenberg doing Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer in, in the way that he could do it. Um, so that's kind of a fun, like little trivia piece, but uh, yeah. Kramer like, versus tiny little murdery Kramers. Essentially. Oh yeah. Essentially. Did I, yeah. Did I read that he was also going through a divorce? He like, was. At the time so, he developed this? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so it's, yeah. it's supposed to be a very personal film from there's a, 
Uh, Which is another, interesting that the protagonist ends up uh, strangling his wife. As right. He ends up the <laughs> yeah. So I have wife. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's thoughts about that. Like <laughs> one of the things that so I was reading some trivia about this and Cronenberg like actually doesn't like he's a father. And so there was a custody battle for real in his divorce. Hmm. And he doesn't like to actually have kids in his movies. So hmm. like the uh, um, the addition of. uh Cindy Hines, who plays Candy in this film, like he wanted to, he said he felt he needed to do it for what the story was, the story he was trying to tell here. And she went through some like really horrific trauma, like the, as the actor, the, or the kid, the character, I mean. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had read that actually, like in terms of like on set, like he was a really like careful director around her. Like he never mm-hmm. like surprised her. He was always like, so this is how like fear would look in like a situation like this, like explaining it and was just like, a really nice like scene partner with her. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was a really like refreshing thing to hear because sometimes you hear about like those stories from the 70s, which is like, oh, they just tormented <laughs> the actors, you know, yeah. but, like it sounds like he was really good. Like he's like he says, like watching kids suffer is really hard for him being like a father, uh, which is interesting. I mean. I agree. Like also as a father, like that's hard to see, but like, it's nice, you know, like nice to hear that. Like, especially the guy who's this king of body horror and weird shit is also Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I agree with that. You know, like, so, and she actually ended up working with him again in 83 on the dead zone. So like, she obviously had Mm. a good time and they had a good relationship. So I feel like knowing the behind the scenes element of like what, you know, her as an actor was going through, like made me like happier seeing kind of what she was going through on screen. I'm like, Oh, she was like, really doing a good job, but also like not being traumatized on set. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Love that. So like, yeah, I mean, long winded to say, like, I liked it. I have a lot of thoughts on themes that I'm going to get into and some interesting other like stuff I want to talk about, but yeah, liked it. Oh yeah. You, you've written this note here in like the discussion of colors, the intensely purple autopsy scene. Yes. The purple oh, autopsy yeah. scene. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Some Max Files vibes. The, yeah. The... <laughs> autopsy scene entirely done in flashback that just like exposition dumps the most like ridiculous set of facts i've ever heard in a, such a calm like almost cheerful manner like that yeah. that like guy like the pathologist or whatever he's just like yeah what do you did you guys notice something huh 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 no belly button oh, no no belly button were, weren't they framing that as weirder they were like oh weirder than the back sack is they ha- don't have a belly button yeah, they like, were. Wait, that was like, 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 like weird. the back yeah. sack yeah no teeth but beak, beak like gums that part I did not like hearing that. No. Truly, like they just kept like saying a weirder thing than the last, and I didn't understand. Like these, this is the police. Yeah, <laughs> they're saying all this, police. and then they just kind of like case closed. Yeah. <laughs> I actually found that surprising that like there was the reveal of like in like real life. Like I thought he was maybe gonna get blamed because he keeps finding these dead people. Um. You know, or you know, he's connected to all these like deaths, kind of, but like, and that they were, you know, that the the little rage monsters were going to be hidden for most of the film, and it would that would be part of it. It makes sense now after having watched the whole film, but at the time I was like, oh, oh, like the cops and like like no one's, I was like, no one's going to believe this guy that he yeah. found this this little tiny humanoid creature that had the power to beat a grown adults to death. It was, was like, no way he's going to seem crazy. They're going to lock him up. And then everyone was just like, oh, this is really interesting. Wow. Like the scientific implications, like on a global scale of these creatures was not addressed. Yeah. yeah. 
those are well that's canadian law enforcement for you yes you know they're <laughs> yes. you know in their own evil ways just as bad as as we have it here but also like presented in a in this film pretty aloof and pretty like guys you know that are just trying to go to tim hortons you know <laughs> what is the tim hortons you never heard of tim hortons no Oh, it's like they're Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. That was a, that was good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, yeah. And I also, the whole thing where like, they have like a f- sack on their back that like, once that runs out, that's why they die. Yeah. Which, if well, we, I mean, I don't know why, why how, how we're going to get into the themes and stuff, but yeah, I've, I have questions about that too. Almost like there's like this limited run or yeah. there is like a of of rage it's like know? a dollar store gremlin yeah. like it only lasts a couple days well i feel like what's the utility <laughs> in the film of that though i yeah i don't know to me i was like what if it's like the because the each time she accesses this deeper level of her rage towards a specific thing mm-hmm. one of she births one of these things okay cool it has the back sack is that her shadow integration is that how long mm. it takes her to integrate mm. those feelings until she's no longer rageful about them mm. or i don't know maybe that that's yeah. a good point uh, i was gonna like yeah that's a really good point i was thinking like perhaps like we see in the movie like the the doctor um what's the doctor's act the doctor's name the character's name is it say Sagland? how Ragland. yeah dr oliver is it Ragland? Ragland. yeah Ragland. or Ragland. But he, yeah. so we see him like talking about like, oh, put her to phase two, put her to the phase, like whatever phase. So I wonder if like there's like an intensity level of what she's manifested mm-hmm. for like the phases of what he's doing. Yeah. I was thinking there might be something to do that. I don't know if there's like even that, that thought was put into the script or not, but that could be just our interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, speak, so you, you mentioned themes, Joe, but I, let's, let's get into some themes. So I, I did, uh, I've, I've got a lot of notes on themes that, that that this movie could be touching on and like what what you guys think is kind of like the biggest part so like some just like general themes like parenthood repression divorce generational trauma with like you know her parents and what happens to her or nola i mean uh the treatment of mental health particularly with women like the idea of like hysteric the hysterics at the time mm-hmm. um the monstrous feminine the monstrous birth like cronenberg kind of comes back to that a lot in his films in general um so one of the things that there's a lot of questions around, like this has been argued on both sides. It's like both being like kind of misogynistic, but also like feminist in other ways. So like the quite a lot of questions, like does it feed into some negative, like female hysteria tropes? Is it showcasing or confirming like male fear, envy of the feminine, the female biology, the childbirth. Um, And I have some quotes from some other people about like these topics, but I wanted to just kind of kick that off at like some of the discussion. If anyone has some initial thoughts on that. I don't know. (laughs) I think I, well, for me so much, so much of consuming art is a Rorschach test of like what I feel, you know? So like I'm often focused on like my own thoughts and feelings and can sort of test myself. And I don't know. I mean, I told my friend I was going to watch this today and she said something. She was like, oh, my God, that movie's a lot. I think Cronenberg hates women. Mm. And I was like, oh, I could see how you maybe think that. But I don't experience it that way. I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky to say that it's like I I, I don't I didn't on surface level find it very feminist or, uh, you know, like uh, it, it, 
the, the opening scene is really interesting to me because it is two men like performing therapy for an audience. Um, and I feel like there's something in that that at least gives a bit of like what I would presume is Cronenberg's intention for the film. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it is, <laughs> but I, but I don't feel like it is really this like misogynist piece of, you know, I mean, it's, you know, hard, hard to fully not feel like it is, uh, just the way that it ends. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's interesting. I don't know. I see, I see why people would perceive it that way. I wasn't my experience of it, but I see why people would. Well, the, it's like going back to the fly, um, because I feel like that's the Cronenberg Bible. It is like there is this theme in his work of like men experimenting on women, right? True, true. Um, themselves as well. But almost, almost like the men in this film, and especially I found like in The Brood, Hal, uh, Doctor um, um, Raglan, yeah, Raglan, um, he 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 has this sort of turn at the end of the movie where you're like, well, he's not really a bad guy. Like he, you know, like he cares for the daughter. He's trying to, you know, get well, her he's out. creating these things, or he's like the therapy <sighs> yeah. is what's creating these lesions and stuff, right? Yeah, I, I for some reason, like I had a big shift in how I felt about him in the end, where I was like, oh, he's doing like he's creating these creatures through nola but like it's part of the expression of her rage right and it wasn't like he was like are you know doing a pretty bad job of controlling them but like he wasn't like sicking them on people right it's like they were just like escaping the cabin and murdering the grandmother and like escaping the and like um he was very much like complicit in some of that but uh yeah, so I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I guess that like there is this theme in Cronenberg's work of like men experimenting on women or sort of like guiding them. And I think I, what you said before, uh, Joe, about um, the um, well, how did you put this? You're like the like male jealousy, um, like en- envy, yeah, envy, yes, yeah, like the birthing envy or whatever. I feel like there's that that it feels a lot deeper in all of this to me, particularly in this in this film. Um, yeah, like the motherhood, the law favors motherhood, like that whole conversation. Yeah, because true. and even that line like didn't feel misogynistic to me. Didn't, it didn't really didn't feel like it's me. like it's like no, it 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 sort of doesn't. It should, and everyone's kind of in agreement about that. But maybe there is this envy that it does. Yes, you know, um, yeah. I think that if there is a feminist commentary to this, it's like what Cronenberg didn't bother to elaborate on, like. It's, it's only now as you guys are talking that I'm thinking about all of this, but like, what's the mom's name again? The main, Nola. The main Nola. Mil, what is it? Nola. Nola. So Nola is like the driving force of the whole thing. You mm. know what I mean? Like she is like this, you know, powerful character and she is like the reason the deaths are happening and all this. And we mostly see the story through her ex-husband and her therapist, who are two men. Mm-hmm. And the few times we do get to see her, she's like hysterical. She like does like messed up things, like bite through a placenta sack. And well, she's cleaning and then aging sure. Life. I mean, that's what that's she's what you do. Yeah. But it's like all the guys get to be like this, like <laughs> rational, like manipulative, even mm-hmm. or like 
you know, just like puppet mastery in a way that like they don't give her much agency. Like she doesn't True. even know she's doing this according to the therapist for for a lot of it. Like when uh, her father goes to try and tell her that her mom is dead mm-hmm. and he's like, I won't tell her. Yeah. And it's like, so this person is doing all of this and doesn't even know they're doing all of this. Like she's treated more like a child than the child. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Valid point. There, there is like a, there is a little bit of a presentation, I guess, of like male hysteria in like her father. I feel like his character, um, Barton, I feel like Barton comes in pretty like hot and is kind of just the whole time, you know, like, oh, well, yeah. I'm terribly depressed and I'm going to kill, you know, or going to, going to give these guys. Oh, he says, let's go kick, let's go kick their ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just kind of like a drunk the whole time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Nikki, I see that you're leaning in like a bunch. You want to say some things? <laughs> um, I think from, you know, uh, this discussion and that it's not, I think it's interesting in that it's not clearly, you know, feminist or misogynist in, in the way it's presenting it. I mean, I think the more I think about it, <clears throat> again, like stay tuned for kind of more of my thoughts of the movie. I think the third act, I feel like it was a little bit, I feel like there could have been more nuance perhaps with nola which i think is what <clears throat> you were just alluding to or outright saying maybe <clears throat> but yeah the way that it's like she just essentially has to be stopped and conquered and i mean you know i think that the line where she's like i would rather kill our daughter than ha- like like not have her or ha- let you like take her away from me mm-hmm. i think like I mean, that's not outside of reality, right? I mean, like, there are people who have gone, like, to the edge in real life. And, like, that's essentially, like, the outcome, you know, as the children become pawns in, in the game of divorce. And, um, you know, but, like, it just, I guess that line for me just, you know, and maybe it's because I am a mom myself, but it was, like, okay, like, that's, you know, that, that put her, like, st- strictly into, like, villain territory for me, like, where I think before I could be, like, okay, like, she is someone who experienced trauma, and that's now, like, manifesting mm-hmm. in her, like, sort of you know, generationally carrying on that trauma, like, you know, because she doesn't really know what else to, to do with it, and she didn't really process it when she needed to, and now she's already a mom, and and is obviously probably fucked up before. I mean... Yeah, um, I guess that's where kind of where I'm going with it, where it's like there were aspects where it was like, yeah, I mean, in, uh, talking about like feminine rage and like, like women, you know, are in general, like the more like emotional thought of as, you know, in general, I like, guess the more emotional and we're allowed to like express emotions a lot more freely with the exception of rage, which is the mm-hmm. emotion that this God, I movie focuses this. on. And you know, and then it's manifesting in this physical sense um, that's, you know, carrying out her rage. And so it's like the ultimate taboo, right? Like women aren't supposed to feel rage, express rage, um, you know. And so then in, in this case, it's sort of like literally bubbling out in in the form of, of murder. Um, so I think that, I mean, I think that's all like extremely interesting. And like, yeah, I mean, as, you know, as a, as a female myself, I'm like, yeah, like, why can't we be mad? Sometimes I'm mad a lot. No. I don't feel like I have to repress it, you know, and now in this, in just the, the world in which I exist, I mean, in, in certain arenas, I guess, instead of 
where I'm going with, but ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, and so like I feel like I have like appropriate outlets for my rage. Maybe that's where I'm going. See, I'm gonna get there. Um, you got but, this. I mean, yeah, I think so, you bring up a really good go point. Ahead. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, no, like the idea is that like rage is only a problem when a woman expresses it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yep. mean, it's like a you said it more succinctly desirable trait almost in a man like in a way of like being able to be mm-hmm. strong and assertive and like you know this yeah this thing yeah no I, it's, it's like she literally she's weaponizing motherhood yes because like that's like we're like i'm with you guys now the like the the feminist quality to this movie is leaves a lot to be desired i see it now like you guys have made very good points i the whole time i was just like this movie just hates therapists <laughs> I, I, I don't know i was so focused on because my obsession with shadow integration yeah. right so like i was so focused on the personification of rage her living out her rage i was like yes she's integrating look at her go like sure she was being shielded yeah. from what was actually happening so she didn't fully she wasn't fully integrated but i do feel like towards the end where she's like oh i will kill my daughter before mm-hmm. i let you take her for me, that was like peak, even though it's like a bad, like a bad thing, right? It was like this peak shadow integration moment mm. of her like actually facing the worst thing of herself and being like, yes, I'm actually having this feeling and I'm saying it out loud and like, uh. Wow. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, and also this like idea that Hadlin's science, uh, psychoplasmic. Or Hal's. Combining. I'm sorry. I like that. Hal Raglan. Yeah. Hadlin. Um. Uh, the doc, yeah, but the doctor's like whole theory of like it, this, this rage is expressing into a physical form and is actually giving her agency, like through the brood, to you know, unfortunately, do some pretty violent she- things that might not be great, but like, yeah, that is her, her agency. Um, yeah. Question: Does her rage create child-sized snowsuits or? <laughs> i have a i have a question too like getting into this what what is there's never really an explanation and this is i think more proof to like i think i'm not sure who said it you might have khalid of like just kind of how underdeveloped nola's character is but like is there's never an explanation of like why she's at soma free or like why what's wrong with her it's just kind of like well you know like women yeah (laughs) she's an upset woman so her her mother was a little crazy too you know like is there did i miss it or i don't don't the biggest thing they do is talk about like previous abuse that she had yes Um, but like other than that like he frank frank has the line where he's like oh she married me hoping the my sanity would rub off on her or something like implying she was always crazy yeah, it, oh, yeah, and yeah. He and he said, said it rubbed like, off on me, or her, yeah. her insanity rubbed off on me. Yeah. Side note: when when he was having that date with the teacher, Miss Meyer, or whatever her name was, I, I think it was Miss Meyer. With her, by she the way. was great. She was great. And then she leaves, and she's like, "Your life's just a little too complicated for me." Is like the line of the movie. <laughs> it yeah. was so good. But yeah. like modeling boundaries, there. That's some <laughs> right. good. Joe yeah. loves her. Yeah, yeah. at the next open house. I I really liked her. Yeah, that, I was Aww. I was bummed when she was killed. Also, like. Do they really have like that heart of hammers in a kindergarten room? Like, wh- I, I wouldn't. It's the eighties, dude. They definitely <laughs> did. Seventy nine. I don't know, but still, like, they have, like black what? and decker mallets in there for sure. What? 
Is that like Canada? I don't they know. They had glass in there, remember? Glass broke in the classroom. Yeah. They did have glass. I mean, glass is in classroom still, but like <laughs> yeah, it's hammers. A, it's a school in Halifax. Like the kids probably like built the school before <laughs> going in. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So I, I, in regards to the themes, I pulled some quotes from like some film, like analysis articles and stuff that I found. There was a, uh, an article I found called films for the feminist classroom where they, they argue at first, like how it's like kind of anti-feminist, but then they flip it on it. They come to the other side of it and where they talk about how they're looking at it from, and this is what I kind of thought was an interesting read was like a Frankenstein's monster kind of read mm-hmm. where, um, Nola, it basically says that she's sort of like she's sort of the Frankenstein's monster to Dr. Raglan or Oliver Reed's like Frank, like Dr. Frankenstein, right? Where like he mm-hmm. ultimately creates this monster and there's an element of sympathy you can feel to like what's happening. And so like there's a quote that I pulled that says, um, Nola's father is an ineffectual enabler. His her doctor is a manipulative tyrant, and her husband is a paragon of emotional inaccessibility. So thorough, th- so thoroughgoing that it could not itself be seen as a form of abuse. So all like the men have let her down to the point where she's become mm-hmm. like this monstrous element, um, which was echoed. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry, I just I, no, 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 go for I it. think like <laughs> okay, that explains it, and it, but it doesn't excuse it. No, no, That's I, just, I, I, no, yeah. I know. I just wanted to like say that because in like talking about yeah, like. The, the whole Frankenstein um, allegory and, yeah. you know, whether or not like women can express their rage and like the things that she did and like whether she's sympathetic or not. Like, I mean, I can kind of sympathize with like what happened to her, but also like mm. not excuse her behavior. A hundred percent. And like, I mean, like even Frankenstein, the monster too, like I think kills like a child accidentally too. Yeah, he does. No, but like, so there's another feminist critic called uh, Carrie Rickey and there's an uh, article she wrote for Criterion, the Criterion collection website which is i'll link in the show notes a really interesting like analysis of the movie but she writes um aren't we talking about quote aren't we talking about movies where male scientists use women as guinea pigs and then are shocked shocked when the test subjects become monstrous uh, voracious etc uh she says let me invoke the jessica rabbit defense the women are not bad they're just drawn that way it's the male scientists who have inadvertently transformed them into men's worst nightmares mm-hmm. um and so there there's i have a few other quotes from like some of similar vein that there's um uh, like monstrous feminine, like bad, like the mother elements, but like um, there, uh, I think that's an interesting read. And I think uh, Corinne, you mentioned earlier, like art is kind of like subjected to how you see it and how, like how you absorb it. But I think like another point of this is that like Cronenberg has talked expressly of how he wrote this, like going through the divorce, he's going through his own custody battle. So like he's taught, he's even said like making this film was cathartic for him. And like, I think about like, you know, the scene of like Frank, like strangling Nola. Like I want, I got to wonder like from his perspective, like, is he really like thinking like, I want to create this like feminist thing about like sympathizing with the mother when he's like really on the opposite side of that coin, like as a person making this movie. So like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think there's lots of reads to it. I think like it's, it's a good movie because you can like bring it to a lot of different places. It's like, he's a transcendent director, like in a lot of ways, but like be like calling it cathartic. Like I think he's, he's seeing himself as Frank, you know? Probably. And honestly, like, this is one of my favorite things about art is that it's a safe, okay, (laughs) this controversial (laughs) hot take coming in. It's a safe space to explore and express things that we wouldn't do in real life. Particularly horror. Yes, horror. This is why I make, I've made some kind of fucked up films. And I think you could look at the all of them together and go, oh my God, what is going on with this girl? And I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now. Like, I think 
a lot of times it can be catharsis to, as both a maker and a viewer, go through a process of doing things on screen and experiencing things on screen that are just like absolutely heinous. And you're like, okay, cool. Now I don't have to do that in my real life. Not (laughs) that any of us would, but like, you know, I think we all have it's murderous like urges. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I it's, think like, any it's like why kids play like Call of Duty. And exactly. Shit. Yeah. We all have these like primal rage, primal urges, sex, killing, whatever. Like it's there. I think on yeah. a primal level, to be honest. I like, yeah, I have like a, I don't, you know, there's like a devil's advocate in Go me ahead. just in general to, no, just kind of like feeling like, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, Cronenberg's allowed to make this movie, you know, in a incredibly like patriarchal setting, right? And like has the flexibility and the like privilege to be like, hey, I'm going to make this cathartic movie about a man who's afraid of losing his daughter and ultimately, you know, like has to destroy the mother. Um which I don't know is is interesting. I think I'm just I'm so stuck on that like how it ends mm. because I do feel like that's like how it opens and how it ends. Um, and, but again, I think like uh, on the exact same page of, of being like, I think the point of film and cinema and art in general, and particularly horror is to like tease the subversive and is to get people thinking and talking about this kind of stuff. Um, because like, I don't really know how much we like see the world differently or even think about seeing the world differently if everything is sort of presented, like as we would like it to be. Um, and I think this movie does do a good job of presenting some of reality as is, um, but perhaps in a more extreme way than, you know, people really want to like consider or believe. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I just, yeah, I'm stuck on, I'm stuck on like the ending. I'm just like, it just seems so, it seems like loose and easy and also, and also bad, you know, as, as like, as, someone who is saying, you know, I made this film as catharsis. This is my Kramer, uh, <laughs> Kramer. Kramer v. Kramer, like, and it ends with me struggle, uh, strangling, um, you know, my ex-wife. Uh, it all, yeah, just, it seems too, like, on the nose. I guess you're right. It I is- mean, I think, is that just, like, is that just a byproduct of, like, the antagonist happens to be a woman and not necessarily, like, he considers women antagonistic? I mean, I'm not even trying to do devil's advocate. I'm just thinking it through of like, if it was the guy doing all of that, which theoretically they could, like they show that guys can do this weird psychotherapy thing. Mm. But if it was like the guy was the one that was birthing these creatures and sending them out to like kill people and was like, oh, I would rather my daughter die. And then Mm. the guy got strangled. Is that like... I guess I'm just asking, do you guys think that it is specific? He specifically made it a woman and made that like graphic of an ending coming from like a misogynistic point? Or was that more just like it's such a visceral death in the way that all the deaths have been? I'm having like an immediate thought just really quick about exactly what you're saying. I'm like now that you presented it that way. I'm like, oh, maybe it's like the metaphor is like he's strangling his own rage about what happened. You know, rather than I'm strangling my ex-wife, I'm now putting my rage about this entire thing to bed. I don't know. About the trauma. actually surprisingly cool throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. What was, was that, Nikki? He was surprisingly cool throughout the movie. Like, yeah. Right? Did anyone else think that? I was like, 
Yeah. Wait, like after he comes home um, from um, his like ex father in law's like murder that he finds, like he was kind of like startled at first, but then like he also goes to that autopsy of that creature and he's not mm-hmm. like just totally blown away. He kind yeah. of, it, yeah. I, I don't know, he just sort of keeps like moving on. Like yeah. each incident and, and and like the teacher too. And like, I don't know, he didn't have, he, he obviously seemed to be suppressing a lot of emotion himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess I saw it at more as like Cronenberg as the filmmaker. Here's the two parts of himself that are parceled out. My internal rage and my, what, how I have to keep it cool on the surface. Well, who do we think is the most interesting character? The therapist. Okay. Oh, you think so the therapist? Got, so you- yeah. He's like, Creating like a X Men school of like traumatized people that can like create like lesions on mm. themselves and like that dude that's like got the throat thing. Oh, you're we right. Didn't even talk yeah. about I the love- throat. Oh, you loved that guy. The man. Do we? Does anyone remember the name of his character? I feel like it was like, oh man, something with a J, perhaps. But when he goes and visits the Hugh something, the man in the hospital who like used to be yeah. Jan, Jan Jan Hartog. Robert A. Silverman is the actor. Man, Jan, I got a kick out of Jan. <laughs> I really that was like the comedic break I needed. Um, okay, Even rolling on the ground to open was yeah. just amazing. So okay, so for you it's Nola, Kryn, and and Cleed. You said Hal. Hal. I I would argue Hal, and I would also argue that that's like in my mind that's where the pov comes from is like okay who are we actually because uh, uh frank frank would just seem like a narrative like vessel just kind of like cool like this guy's gonna go along with whatever is happening <laughs> to him and like you said nikki just like unfazed almost in a way that like is unbelievable mm-hmm. yeah i think that's interesting pointing all this out like in terms of like billing i've mentioned this to you nikki last night we were watching about billing of the movie like the frank is like our pov character in a sense like he's like the protagonist i guess you could say art hindle is the <laughs> actor but like the top billing goes to oliver reed dr hal raglan and then samantha egger nola is second build and they were like arguably the more famous actors at the time and then you got art hindle after that who's frank and so like i do think that samantha egger and oliver reed gave way more like memorable and interesting performances and like we're given like more meteor stuff to like really chew on that they're arguably the more memorable parts of the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so but yeah it's kind of interesting to think like yeah i mean i think he was the guy who played frank was more of an unknown at the time um i don't know if he did much else but uh i think that's we should we're starting to get into it but like let's talk about the monster let's monster it up khalid what do you think Real quick, what do you guys think the movie's saying about therapy? Okay. <laughs> Did you have is this a is this a segue to a better health ad you guys have on this? Oh my God. It is. We love segues. I'm ready. Hand me the copy. I'm ready. I mean, we don't have to dwell on this, but like you so, know, like the way that they even show therapy, it feels very like flippant. And obviously it adds like this supernatural element of like these people's like repressed like emotions like come out in certain ways and that's really interesting i was thinking about it as from like being manipulated actually Mm. well yeah like they're being very easily manipulated like that dude that's like i just want someone to be my daddy oh my god oh yeah that was wild michelle (laughs) (laughs) should i call you michelle 
Like they start, <laughs> they start with that therapy session. And then like that one dude in the audience is like, that was brilliant. And it's like, was it? It was compelling, but was it brilliant? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, Khalid. I, I thought like, I, one of the things that I just had thought about in this movie, like with terms of like therapy and stuff, like if we're going with the Frankenstein metaphor, like it was an interesting kind of update to like the mad scientist of Dr. Frankenstein to be like a mad, like psychotherapist mm-hmm. in like this, this kind of setting. But that's all I'd kind of like thought with that extent. Like there's probably way more deeper places you could go with that. I don't know. I was telling Joe after he kind of t- said that to me last night and I, or maybe it was this morning. I don't remember, but um, thinking about how our parents' generation and probably that, you know, kind of the boomers and the Gen X folks like are very, tend to be anti-therapy in a large, in a large sense, at least like, you know, our parents and like the term shrink, you know, used to be thrown around a lot more. And I'm like, this, the, these kinds of movies are why this like mad, like psychoanalyst or, you know, psychological, mm-hmm. like, you know, a manipulative kind of shit, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like it, you know, villainized therapy for a long time and you know and, and, you know and also maybe like they were doing a lot more like it was like the wild wild west and they were just experimenting and trying out weird shit and there probably was a lot of bad therapists i mean and there there just are right there's bad people of all kinds or of each well, like, kind of job but anyway that, that was just something like that i thought of where you know i was like yeah that's why like that generation like grew up being like no we can't go to therapy whereas like you know we've kind of turned that around yeah thanks cronenberg I'm kidding. It's, it's, it's hostile to therapy in a way that is like really interesting to me because <laughs> like, it's almost like he understands like the merit of or Cronenberg. When I say he, he mm. understands the merit of therapy, but he thinks that like, it's just like, it's basic. Like that's what he thinks of therapy. Like uh, when he, I, I feel like when it, when um, Nola's mom is talking about that line really stuck with me, where she goes, "We're born." Oh God! Be, and then it's like, oh, uh, sixty seconds after we're born, we start rewriting everything about ourselves. Thirty seconds in. God, the one I wrote down that I think came right before that was being a parent being is being blamed for everything. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, this this guy's going through a divorce. And it's like this like very <laughs> flippant energy of like, oh, yeah, we all inflict trauma on each other. Why would we possibly want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's like maybe it, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I've, I feel like. It sits in this perfect gray area for me where I'm like, certainly opening scene, incredible. Here is the performance, the theatrics of therapy, like presented as practical theatrics. And that audience member sitting next to Frank, who's just like, he's a, he's a goddamn genius, you know? <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, this is a joke. Um, then there's other parts of it that make me feel like, all right, I mean, like these people are getting shipped out in a bus to this facility, especially like 70s, 60s, a lot of psychotherapy going on that was not what we necessarily think of, you know, cognitive behavioral today, sitting down on the couch talking for 45 minutes about your dating life, you know, a little bit maybe more intense, nefarious stuff. Um, and I, and I, I think I actually kind of love the fact that this movie, for me, it doesn't feel like quite maybe as 
militantly against therapy as it does like a little sarcastic about it perhaps i could see that yeah 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 i don't know i felt this thing of like i felt some of that negativity towards it but i also felt this thing kind of like the frankenstein's monster thing where you're like okay you have this therapist that's intentions are you know, almost suspend disbelief. Like intentions are good. Like he's like, I want to help these people dig out their traumas. But mm. then he's like, wait, he hadn't thought the step past. And it's like, and to me, it I was walking away with that more than like therapy is bad more. Oh, therapy is going to unearth all these things that then you, what are you going to do with all those mm-hmm. things? Like who's going to, who's going to, you can't put the uh, the thing back in the box. Yeah. You can't close Pandora's box. And the Pandora's box in this case is the kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like look what therapy got us. One more traumatized person. Yeah. Like with, you're, with you're all trying to work through your shit, and it got this kid messed up. It was gonna pass that on. Yeah. Yeah, that final scene, right, where it, like zooms in on her arm. Yeah. Worst. Yeah. 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 The trauma lives on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just like, what is the, what's the takeaway? Like, we shouldn't talk about it because we're just going to pass on some kind of trauma doing it that way. The takeaways we need, like Dr. Ragland part two, Monster Wrangler. I want his (laughs) uh, master class. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's like the other kind of thing about, I mean, maybe this is also like, maybe this is a little bit of a katana frankenstein but like i couldn't get over like the first time we really see uh, raglan like not performing right is when frank goes to visit him at his home ostensibly at the facility soma free and he's like in that like robe and he's like upset he's like looking at his hair in the mirror frank's like where is my wife what (laughs) like my child has been abused and he's like you know fluffing his hair which just at the time it seems it seems almost like uh you know like this guy's kind of just an asshole but like in retrospect I'm like this guy's just an idiot like I think <laughs> he's like really fixated on like the power of what yes. he has to offer people but like <clears throat> at the end of the movie you're like no this guy's a dummy I mean, it's cult leader <laughs> vibes yeah. yeah like he just loves like that so many people yeah. look to him to answer everything yeah Literally, I want a daddy. Like that's that's what he, that's like what they're saying about therapy is like everybody's just looking for like a new dad because their yeah. dad didn't like nurture them and, enough or something. Yeah, and and everyone is young. Yeah. I mean, is it wrong? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Joe, will you be hmm? my dad? <laughs> I will, Khalid. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, are you then asking that was, that was to be for your any mom? Joe. You had two options too when you threw that out there. Wow, yeah. that's true. Wow, I jumped on it. That's just something about me. <laughs> Misha didn't even have a chance. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. We're unpacking a lot here. Good. This is therapy. Yeah. Yeah, Nikki, you're the mom. <laughs> too late, Nikki. He signed you up. We're gonna have to check you for those little. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even ask me, man. Wow. Okay, but jokes aside for one more joke, they should have just started a baseball team, right? Like, they had enough of those kids. And we, <laughs> they, the one thing we know for sure is the kid has an arm. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's no globe those. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I'd pay to see that. A little gremlin yeah. baseball. 
Yeah, but well, the thing is, you'd have to have a lot of them because, like, they could probably only play one inning. The sack. <laughs> that the that sack. sack, yeah, that sack's not going to last that long. It's going to run out. Yeah. All right, so yeah. she's got to just crank them yeah. out. Yeah. And then what are they doing? It like the she was. Yeah, she definitely was. I I mean, I feel like right now I'm just freelancing. So, you know, like, direct me if you need to. But I can't, like, I wanted to also ask people what they, what the kind of, like, most memorable image of the film was mm-hmm. and i'm just gonna be selfish and tell you mine right oh. off the bat Do i it. like when nola reveals like the the, the fetal 100%. sack like from everything from like her fit like she's like wearing that like angel angel cape and i thought it's just like such a perfect image of like both mother as a monster and like this beautiful thing mm-hmm. um but i i love that that for me was like the, that was the point of the movie. <laughs> it's a great like shot, like composition too. Like it's just really cool, like like movie making right there. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. I agree. You guys were talking about the saint pictures of the women too, which oh, never yeah. we never got revealed why that those were everywhere. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, oh, she was very saint vibes. And when it, she was in was her. it wasn't it just the Virgin Mother or something? Was that too? all it was? Because like, ooh, Virgin Birth again. Yeah. Hold on a second. Oh yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah, I assume that's supposed to be like Mary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but now I'm thinking about her little sack virgin sack birth yeah. babies. No navel. I wasn't even thinking about that. I love, I, I also got such a kick out of the detective not knowing what a navel was. Oh, yeah. He was like, there's no navel. And he's like, what? And he's like, belly button. Oh. <laughs> Read a book, idiot. <laughs> See now, now One I'm point, starting though. to think that his his movie actually hated men because all these men are really, mm. really shown as <laughs> we, idiots. We can, we, can only, we can only hope that was intentional. Yeah. No, the one redeeming quality is that men are idiots. Right? It's all these smart women with their ability to make demon babies. Actually, kind of yeah, kind of yeah. 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 kind of slay i mean yeah it, it showed like the like to your point earlier nikki like the the disparity between like women's ability to feel and then or like permission through society to feel and then men's not permission and that was like very clear mm-hmm. i feel like anyway whatever we were talking about images <laughs> oh so you were you were saying like the the pictures that's kind no, of no oh. no i i just jumped in there because i remembered you guys brought up those pictures and so i was making the correlation between the sort of holy image mm. of her with the angel wings and the virgin birth really sack mm-hmm. and we kept seeing the imagery of the virgin mary pictures like in the apartment and at the institute or whatever mm-hmm. it was the free soma free mm-hmm. so mm. Yeah, we were, we, sorry, uh, Joe and Nikki, you probably have no idea what we're talking about because it was like very subtle and it was like production design, but there were like photos, like almost like cut out photos on the wall at Semaphore and at the apartment mm. um, when Frank f- goes and is like, I haven't, I've never been here. Like my wife and my, you know, daughter were living here. There are these like images of like saintly women, women, um, in both of those locations and we, we were kind of just like talking about like what is that is that is that like a lazy from as a filmmaker i'm like is that just like a let's throw some shit up on this wall because it looks empty or is that like an intentional and you know i don't know cronenberg he's he's kind of in the middle i'm I, he's not I one like of those guys intentional running. probably probably especially like we in the moment we didn't know like where it was going or yeah. anything but the fact that she's literally like creating these things by mm-hmm. herself like mm-hmm. i feel like that was the virgin mary and like mm-hmm. illusions well, also can we talk about why okay so like it, 
structurally, you know, love to end a movie with, uh, what's the daughter's name again? Um, Uh, Candy. Candy. Yeah. Candy in the backseat of the car. And oh no, now she has these little sacks and like, she has inherited the trauma, but like, what is like, how and why do you think so? (laughs) Do you say thank you? Yeah, because I was thinking the yeah. same thing. I was like, I'm sorry, what is the mechanism here? She wasn't yeah. taking therapy with Hal. He's dead yeah. now. Like, is it yeah. genetic? Well, and also, well, she was spending every other week there. there. But but and also, I just want to throw this out here. <laughs> Had Nola not died, would Candy have this? Ooh. You know, is that is this a thing that is like, okay, well, Frank, you know, you, pre- I guess, protected your child in a way, but also, did you also, like, condemn I mean, her? your dad yeah. you murdering know? your mom is enough to get trauma sacks. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was and I, I guess that's a good point that she was there, so we don't know what was happening. You know, maybe she was undergoing some of this therapy when she was there yeah. every other weekend. Well, or perhaps just the uh, seeing your father strangle your mother is enough to give you the shape of rage. Yeah. Yeah, two little shapes of rage. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, lots to chew on, but Joe, hmm. let's monster. Oh, yeah, oh, let's monster. Should, <laughs> should, we? should we? Should we? Should we? Okay. Uh, honestly, this one, I looked it up like not a whole lot about the special effects, surprisingly, given it being a Cronen for Cronenberg film. The creatures are, I think, in most cases referred to as broodlings, the brood. Mm. Um, a little bit of like in canon. So when Dr. Hal Raglan develops the psychotherapeutic technique, um, psychoplastics causing patients to manifest plasmics, uh, causing patients to manifest their mental illnesses as strange physical abnormalities. Um, Nola parthenogenically gives birth to a group of child sized creatures that kill she, <laughs> those she is upset with. The broodlings ultimately resemble like little like Caucasian human children wearing snowsuits, various colors and blonde hair, very similar to candy in some senses. Um, their faces are slightly more animalistic than most humans. They lack um, retinas and navels and they have uh, the, the, like you mentioned, the beak like gums um, kind of a hive mind. They uh, behind the scenes fact, they actually got uh, young girls who are from a local grade school gymnastics club to play various members of the brood for the film, especially in the climax. Um, So that's kind of fun. Uh, The special effects were done by uh, a guy named Alan Cotter. He did the makeup as well Um, on the special features of the Blu-ray of this, which is on a criterion release. Like you can see a a documentary with Rob Botine, who we've talked about before. He did not work on the film, but he talks about the, the effects. Interested more about that. Check that out. Uh, he's a Cronenberg collaborator, collaborator as well. And Rick Baker, I think talks, talks on it as well. But a um, couple fun facts just um, in general about that final sequence that you guys were talking about with uh, Nola revealing the sacks. So the, the fetal sacks on Samantha Egger's body were made from stuffed condoms. Oh, um, the, and the decision to lick the blood off the off the baby at the end was completely uh, Samantha Egger's choice, not something Cronenberg came up with, be, based on her idea that she had seen pet dogs or cats licking their mm-hmm. newborns when they come out. So that was just a choice that she made, and she thought that was really fun. There is an interesting piece that, like I think in British, I think it was British TV or British cinemas, they cut out the licking scene because they thought it was too grotesque, and it pissed off Cronenberg because he said it made it look worse. It made it look like hmm. she was eating it because it just like she was leaning over and then it cuts away to her like lifting up. They're like, he's like, that's so much worse than her licking it. So <laughs> so yeah, that that's a kind of a fun fact. But yeah, that's her choice and not a Cronenberg thing. I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, other than that, like that's all I got on the monsters here. Um, they're they're not like 
in terms of like monsters we creatures we talk about they're not the most like standout like creature design but i think like as our conversation is really evident of like it's there a lot to dig into and just like the metaphor of what they're trying to say so there's a lot of interesting stuff there and um I know that maybe some of you want to comment on it, but I just have to jump on this. Like, speaking of condoms, Khalid, fight or flirt. Oh, God. Had to, had to, had to take it. <laughs> oh, all right, Joe. You made it weird. I did. <laughs> Are we talking about the, like, brood children, the broodlings? Yeah, Ooh. let's 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 make it less sexual, though. Yeah, you were ready to pat yourself on the back for that segue. <laughs> no, I thought about it a lot, but I had to go with it. Um... Yeah, I'm not going to... Oh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, if this is your first time listening, <laughs> Fight or Flirt is a segment that's pretty much exactly what it sounds like when I fight or flirt with the monster in question. Um, yeah, this one is like... We kind of touched on it earlier. I'm going to fight those little guys. Like, if I know they're coming for me, those are my, the little guys I'm fighting. Fuck it. Yeah. I'm gonna, like, I... Do I get a gun like hell or at least like a bat? Like, I'll be honest, a bat would be fun. <laughs> like, just, you know, because like they, they're kids size, but they're not kids. Like, they're monsters and stuff. So I'm not going to feel that bad. Just like taking them out, you know? No. After after what they did to to my sweet Ruth. And it's just like that. I don't know. Like, oh. you, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This one's for Ruth. <laughs> but is that the best way to deal with? Well, I guess she's her emotions are the only emotions that control them. Yeah. So you know you couldn't get anywhere by flirting with them. Exactly. You get like, anywhere by flirting with flirt Nola. With mm-hmm. Yeah. What if you flirted with Nola though? See, I would flirt with Nola. Um, <laughs> Even it just after sounds like she's seen? got a lot of toxic men yeah. around her and a lot going on. In her life right now. Life. <laughs> I feel like I could get her away from that. I don't like honestly the fact that she has kids isn't a deal breaker. Uh, again, <laughs> baseball team. We should talk to the Padres. <laughs> they an arm like that, like it's a waste. That's all I'm saying. If she could like pop out three or four more, we could just like <laughs> go indie, you know? Expansion. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 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 I mean, yeah, but if you flirted with her, you could then control the brood. Exactly. And I would, uh, yeah, like, first of all, I think she just needs another therapist. I think her therapist <laughs> is just, and that happens, you know? Like, I hate when people, like, go to the wrong therapist and suddenly they're like, it's a deal breaker. No therapy for me. Like, try another therapist, one that doesn't make you create, like, psychic murder gremlin babies. I don't know. Just, for instance. <laughs> what do we think would happen if she was, like, Assuming, like, I, I was just like, what is what is the other alternative for these like little creatures? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, do they, I mean, As I guess their little friends out and they die. <laughs> you know, like presume, like assuming she were to like heal, actually. Oh, would they just die? Yeah, what if they like, like grow uh, up? Like they like she's. <laughs> Yeah, they grow They're just up. really well adjusted. Yeah, they just grow up to be Gary Busey, basically. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, man. <laughs> they look like who's like from Whoville. They oh do God. kind of. Wow. You know, I was pointing out that they kind of look like his his son's movie Possessor. Yo. They look like that. Yes. They, the or the oh. the son must have integrated these broodlings and then is put his homage. He, he in really Possessor. Has. That's, so that's a. Uh, 
It's uh, Cronenberg? Brandon Cronenberg's film Possessor. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. that yet. I yes. heard it's good though. There's a, a image that's yeah. Very even similar. if you just even if you just Google a poster, the poster like does have some remnants and like talk about a meta commentary or just like sort of thought experiment his like kid. his kid making these movies that are so referential to his father's is oh, 100%. nutty and and interesting a hundred percent oh yeah yeah we just both looked at it we looked at the poster da- daddy, daddy. <laughs> he needs a daddy he's he needs for a his daddy man. <laughs> man all i know is that when khalid and i uh go back to our acting class and we need a monologue to oh. together we're, we're doing that opening scene Wait, you guys have an yes class? manifesting it's the end exactly. of the year yeah. 2024 is around the corner you gotta start go. making plans intentionality what, who's which role who's playing yeah, who's hal role? and who's uh yeah. and i want to i want to be mike honestly i'm hal for sure yeah. Okay, like yeah, yeah. Mike. <laughs> How please I film this. I want to <laughs> see. Please film it. Yes. Record. I just think yeah. whoever gets to say Frank, I have a gun. <laughs> Frank, I have a gun. Frank. <laughs> also, uh, uh, Oliver Price is that? Was that or Oliver Reed? Oliver Reed, yeah. Uh, I couldn't. I you know I, I have not watched a lot of older films like pre 50s pre 60s i mean i know he's not that old but um he uh he's maximo in um in gladiator proximal yeah proximal Proximal. yeah he's a he's a pretty storied actor he was the wolfman in the hammer wolfman update yeah hammer films he was in a lot of stuff i i only know him from gladiator (laughs) i was like that's the guy yeah i liked him uh yeah yeah, he's he's good. He was good in this. Um, we should probably move on to our final segment of the show. Any final thoughts before we do that? Any final thoughts? No. I'm thought it out. I Wait, that sounds like, bad. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, you are. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. Um, therapy bad. <laughs> Women's saints. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Angel wing sock. I'm just saying. I mean, those are kind of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thoughts. Yeah. The only last thing I was going to say guess, was. I thing. guess we could have said nothing. <laughs> Cut that out, you know? No, keep don't it in. Keep it in. But generational trauma. Like, I mean, I don't know if anyone. I was actually. So scientists have actually looked at this as like, like epigenetically. So like not like. It's not like a specific gene is being passed on, but sort of like kind of how a gene operates Mm -hmm. and like, or how it's, how it ends up functioning can actually, they've sort of, they think that they've demonstrated and shown that that actually um, exists, like, and is a thing. Um, So like people who, especially like, like thinking about, one thing that they looked at was this, uh, right around World War II, in the Netherlands, there was this great famine, like the hungry winter or something i think it's called Mm -hmm. and they did do some um sort of follow-up studies on the people who were pregnant at the time and like um what sort of like kind of how their um babies turned out and grew up and sort of like health problems that seem to be passed down generationally so not necessarily like you know like necessarily mental illness Mm -hmm. necessarily but just sort of the idea that trauma can actually alter our genes and um be passed down through the generation is like yeah anyway the, like a scientific that's cool, thing yeah it's so, not cool body, but interesting it's interesting the, interesting the body yeah. keeps the score right yeah, yeah. and yeah. they did that experiment with 
I, I remember reading about some experiment with mice where like they would ring, like harming them, obviously, like ringing a bell or something and harming the thing. And then the mouse and then the child of the mouse, it would have a scared reaction when it heard the bell, even though it never interacted with it that way. I like read about something like that. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. That's a good that's a good final thought. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to put that out there as far as Love the generational that. trauma. Yeah, because, thanks for that. Yeah. The grandma, the mom, and now. Probably candy. Candy. Just I think was like maybe the saddest part of the movie for me. I was like, I really wanted candy to come out and be okay, although there was really like no chance of that. But yeah, she starts the movie watching her like <laughs> dead grandma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she went to she just went to sleep. <laughs> a long sleep, an abnormally long sleep. Oh my god, I wanted to look up and see what that was. That sounded like total like bullshit, but anyway, I, I want didn't that. Mm, I want that. <laughs> yeah. I want to escape like life's horrors through an abnormally <laughs> long sleep. <laughs> abnormally <laughs> long. Yeah. Okay, Joe. Well, that brings us to our other sponsor, Zequil. <laughs> oh, please. Please Z-Quil. Z-Quil. <laughs> All right. Our so our last segment of the show is our um uh, <clears throat> What the fandom segment in which we just share one thing or two things that we are like into at the moment. It doesn't have anything to do with monsters. If maybe it does, but, or anything to do with the brood, just something that we think our listeners might dig, or we want to give a shout out to. So, uh, we usually let our guests go last on this one. And, uh, Khalid always starts us off. So Khalid, what the fandom with you this week? Uh, thanks for asking Joe. My, what the fandom this week is going to be the new dreamville album, we only talk about real shit when we're fucked up and it's by the rapper Boz and he's on the Dreamville label with, uh, that was created by J Cole. He's a rapper. He's really good. Uh, I've only gotten to listen to the album once, but all the tracks pretty, pretty solid. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just overall, I think it's like a nice, like laid back like almost like a vacation vibe to the album that i really respond to lyrically i think boz is one of like the stronger rappers in the dreamville collective too which is a strong roster but yeah i think that if you're just looking for like something kind of nice and chill to get you through the holiday break into the new year check that album out and uh joe with that being said what the fandom with you well, thanks for asking, Khalid. Uh, my fandom this week, I uh, recently just kind of was on a strange kick where I was looking for like a movie of of a, a kind that I hadn't been haven't normally don't normally watch. So I picked a 90s action flick called uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight. And I did text you about this, Khalid, so you know some of my thoughts already. But it stars uh, Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. It's um, from 94, I believe. It's from a script from Shane Black. Uh, directed by uh, Rennie Harlan, who uh, infamously did Deep Blue, Deep Blue Sea, but um, it's a, it's actually a really cool movie. Uh, Gina Davis is like kind of like this this like suburban woman who just kind of lives a normal life, but uh, inexplicably had amnesia eight years ago and doesn't remember anything before eight years ago, and so then she finds out she's a secret assassin that has really badass abilities to fight people, and people are after her after seeing her on a local like news program. And Sam Jackson is like a sleazy kind of PI slash con man is just having a blast with that role. Um, and the team up there, the chemistry was really fun. It's like a kind of a relic from that era of the 90s where there was lots of like kind of like R-rated like action thrillers with big celebrities um, that uh, you don't see as often these days. And I think uh, it's just a lot of fun. It was like, it's quippy, but uh, there's like some fun elements some 
twisty pieces to the narrative. And uh, it's actually a Christmas movie because it takes place during Christmas. So I thought it was festive and I enjoyed watching it in the season. So that's that's mm-hmm. my pick this week. Go dig into I found it on Tubi, actually. Uh, dig into some, some 90s action thrillers if you if you want to. Anyway, I will pass it on to our guests. Uh, Joe, what's the fandom with you this week? Mm, thanks for asking, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, if you're into therapy um, and, you know, so psycho, <laughs> psychoplasmics, <laughs> I just rewatched one of my favorite TV series of all time, uh, NBC's Hannibal. Oh. Um, Mads Mikkelsen plays, <sighs> plays Hannibal. Got Lawrence Fishburne in there. Jillian Anderson. I mean, it, the whole show is amazing, but particularly like season one and season two are killer. Um, and it's, I, it's crazy that NBC made it. I, I remember like at the time, I think it's 2013, 2012 is when it, in it uh, premiered, they had to like show it after nine or 10 PM just because it is like an HBO showtime level, you know, kind of like mature program. Um, but if you don't believe in, in, in psychotherapy or therapy, uh, watch NBC's Hannibal and you will, you will believe in all of it. Some of the most beautiful crime scenes I've ever seen. Ooh, and chef scenes. Just yeah. the, yeah. Man. I, I've been slacking and I love Matt's Michelson. You got to watch it's it. Good. It's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. All right. Not good. Good recommendation. Nikki, do you have a fandom this week? Um, so the, actually the only thing I really want to plug is your local library. Um, we live only about a mile away from our library and we've been taking the kids on a regular ish basis. And, um, I've just been thinking about, um, you know, in like the winter time and, you know, sometimes we get kind of holed up inside our own homes and I don't know, go check out your local library and give them some love because libraries are amazing and we should, um, support them and be there and be using them. And, and they smell good. good. Books smell good. And they have okay. that yes. Libby app. They have the Libby app where you can get free audiobooks through oh, the yeah. library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, libraries are great. Good. Yes. That's a good recommendation. Uh, Corinne, what's the fandom with you? Okay. I was thinking about this. I'm just going to give an honest answer. I'm just going to be really real with what we're doing this week. There is a music artist called Sunkill Moon that has – a lot of songs that I really like, but I have been listening to one called Richard Ramirez died today of natural causes on repeat. So I guess if you like kind of horrific things, you're listening to this podcast, you might also like serial killers. uh, And you might also like that song and that artist. I've also seen Saltburn twice. (laughs) Speaking of serial killers. Is that good or bad? (laughs) Good. Good. More serial killing. All right. Wow. Okay, cool. More serial killing. Awesome. Uh, good recommendations all around. Awesome. awesome. I said awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Woo. Shout out yeah. to Love it. We're all in agreement. That's a good thing. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, all right. Before we close out, uh, Joe and Corinne, I know uh, since you're new to the pod especially, is there any like uh, social media you guys want to plug or any places people can find you, websites, anything? Um, should we start with the OnlyFans? No, I'm just um, I mean, yeah, need more if you want to lurk, you can find me on Instagram at continuity. Um, figure it's out such figure, a good figure handle. It, out. it is. Um, but yeah, I'm there. Such a good handle. At my Instagram's Carini at Carinio, which you're you're welcome to 
to also stalk. My website's <laughs> my first and last name, so yeah. that's easy. Zanga, UNC Tar Heel 32. I'm also on WikiFeet. Hell yeah. Well, I didn't put myself on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody may put me on there. <laughs> oh, is that for real? Yeah, somebody made a WikiFeet of me. Yeah. Whatever, I didn't make I'll, it. Whatever you do, don't Google our names, please. Just please I don't think the government should have like control over all websites, but they should be able to take that one down. They That's couldn't. insane. There's pictures of me from like my high yeah. school, like photos, like people raiding my feet. I was like, how did this happen? I what? like someone sent it to me, and I was like, mm. well, there you go. Well, oh boy, give, don't give, go to that. Give or, me a good rating. Yeah, at least. give her a good rating if you do go there. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well. Yeah, on that note, Khalid. <laughs> on that note, thank you, Joe. Uh, Chris. Yes, thank you both. It was super fun to chat with God, you guys. Thank, thank you guys. Yeah, this thank this you, is Nikki. great. A blast. <laughs> Nikki, thanks for popping on. Mm, yes. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that threw me off. Anyways, <laughs> Khalid is thinking about feet. I can see it in his eyes. It's one of the most common fetishes. I'm it's thinking about it people... more than normal. Let's, let's say it that way. Uh, which is honestly a lot, listen you know? no shame you know <laughs> some shame um <laughs> but the hot with, <laughs> with that being said thank you guys for joining us thank you for listening at home or in your car or wherever and until next time creep it easy <laughs>